Pentecost Sunday marks the transition in the church calendar from Easter season into regular season, and we're using it as a transition Sunday between not your ordinary Sunday and Here We Grow, our summer series here at, here at Shepherd. Over the course of the summer, you'll be hearing from a few different preachers, a few different teachers as we welcome some summer interns, and Pastor Scott and Pastor Alan will be here a few times as well as myself, but we're also trying to figure out how to manage uh, all of us being in a few different places over the course of the summer, and it'll be a chance for all of us to grow as a congregation, as a community, even in this virtual format. But today we're talking about Pentecost, and Pentecost just means 50, it's 50 days after Easter, it's 50 days after the Passover and the Jewish calendar, but something remarkable happens on Pentecost in the church. It's kind of the birthday of the church. It's the establishment of the church globally across the whole world. As Jesus brought his teaching of relying on the Spirit, believing in his promises as the vehicle by which we are saved. It's God's action, not our own. When we turn away from our sinful ways and trust in God's promises, he wipes away our sin, makes us clean, and enables us to live this new life as a result of his action in saving us and making us his children. And so Pentecost is kind of the ignition moment, the start of the church as we know it today. Before I get into the story of Pentecost, though, I want to reflect on, I want to remember this story from Genesis. And I'm not going to read through the verses, but essentially what happens is this. This was early on in the days of creation. The the human race was beginning to grow and multiply, but it wasn't going anywhere. It was staying kind of collected in one place. And this is after... Adam and Eve had fallen into sin, and so these people were broken, and they were bent in on themselves. They were, they were, they were so totally self-consumed, and they wanted to create this city and this tower that would make them uh, well-known and famous for generations to come. They wanted to call attention to themselves. They wanted to build a tower high up into the heavens so that people, other people coming after them would look up to them, and they would make a name for themselves. This selfish desire to sort of become God over the earth. And when God saw that this was happening, he decided that it was time to scatter the people across the earth to confuse their languages as a result of their sin, as a result of their selfishness, as a result of their rejection of him as God. There was this punishment for, for what they were doing, a punishment that resulted in them no longer being able to all speak one common language, no longer able to dwell in one place. And so the people were scattered across the whole earth. Fast forward a few thousand years and you get to this time of Jesus where uh, now there's people all over the world speaking different languages. Civilizations have come and gone. Nations have been established. And yet Jesus stepped into this Israelite nation, this Jewish nation, and he walked among them and he, he fulfilled the promise that God had given to their forefather Abraham in saying, I have set you apart to bring about a savior, not only for you, but for the entire world. And here at Pentecost, we see a picture of the fulfillment of that very promise, the Savior being applied to the whole world. Sometimes in Christianity, we get this, we get this idea that the things that happen in the Old Testament are simply reversed in the New Testament. And that's, that's an okay illustration to help us remember how things sort of happen chronologically and throughout the narrative. But a better picture for us to understand is that God meets us where we are and uses us in those places to accomplish His purposes. Here's what I mean. The Tower of Babel, that story of God confusing languages and scattering people across the earth. At Pentecost, what happens is people begin speaking the languages of the nations that have been scattered. There's this idea that Pentecost is a mirror or a reversal of what happened in Babel. But instead, as we read through the story, what you're going to hear is God uses this scattered people, these different languages, to share his great news with people. He's not collecting everyone into one place again. He's not 
erasing other languages from existing. Rather, he is using the different positions people are in. He's using the different languages they speak to spread his message of truth and joy and hope, even in the midst of people still reeling from the consequences of their actions so long ago in the past when they wanted to create a name for themselves and become famous on the face of the earth. So we're going to read this passage from Acts chapter 2, hearing about the birth of the church and the way that Peter preached this sermon to the people in Jerusalem and the transformation that took place at that time. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Then Peter stepped forward with the other eleven apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. As Peter shared that message with the people gathered there, he knew what it would take to communicate the truth of God's plan to those people. These are people from all over the world who had gathered together in Jerusalem to worship God together. They were devout Jews who came from all over the Mediterranean region. They had different languages in their background, and though their knowledge of Hebrew in their liturgy and in their worship tied them together, they all spoke casually or from their background ethnically different languages. And yet there they were in Jerusalem to celebrate and worship God and celebrate the Passover. Peter knew these people. He knew their knowledge of the Old Testament. He knew their, their understanding of their identity as God's people. And he used that knowledge and the fact that they were present over the course of the last week of Jesus' life to tie together the truth of God's promises being fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. He knew the audience and he used the right language to communicate the truth of God's gospel to them. At the conclusion of the story, People are baptized and the church has grown by thousands of people that day. And it's, it's understood that those people eventually went back to their places of origin. They went back to their homes scattered across the world. But what set them apart from when they came to Jerusalem and when they went back home is now they had the truth of God's gospel in their hearts. God was sending them out into the world to share his good news with others. Sometimes we go through life and we experience feelings of isolation Sometimes we experience feelings of confusion or being misunderstood. 
This is the reality of our lives. We are a people scattered across the earth. We're isolated from each other. We're not able to communicate with each other the way that maybe we were designed to in community with others. Now we have technology and we have applications and we have networks through which we can communicate, but talk to any grandparent whose grandchild is out of town and you'll know that the the FaceTime on the iPad is not the same as holding that grandchild in their arms, being there in person. But a a, a reality of our human life is that we are distanced from each other. We are isolated from those who maybe we love the most or those who are most like us. And this can cause us sometimes to feel misunderstood by the people around us. The language that we speak, say, when we gather together for worship in church, isn't the same language that we speak when we're in the workplace. And for us to start talking about the Kyrie or to start talking about our favorite worship song or the sacrament of communion, In a workplace, oftentimes we would be met with confused stares or people thinking that something had gotten into us and and they don't know what to say or how to react. And on top of it, sometimes we look at the world and the way things are and the way things don't seem to be making sense and we start to feel confused. Why would God put us through this? Why am I facing these circumstances? Why are these things happening if the God I believe in is good? But remember what we said at the beginning of the message. God doesn't always reverse or solve the problems that we think he needs to solve. He doesn't just eliminate the circumstances or change how things are. Rather, he meets us where we are and uses those circumstances for his purposes. As an example, we are spread out throughout the world as a Christian community. Maybe even as a family of believers, not only here at Shepherd, but Christians throughout the world are scattered We're in a bunch of different places. Rather than interpreting that as a feeling of isolation, understand that the presence of God dwells with us even as we are distanced from other Christians. We're distanced from the people we grew up with. We're distanced from those who developed their faith alongside us. But God is present with us and ties us together in community through His miraculous presence. So the isolation is answered by the presence of God no matter where we go. Then there's there's the question of being misunderstood. The language that we speak here isn't the same language that we speak there, but God put us in this same circumstance, say your work life. He brought you to that circumstance just like he brought you into your church community. And what you have that other people in the church community may not have is an understanding of the language and the mechanics of that culture in your workplace, in your Monday through Saturday environment. You have an understanding of how that language works. You understand the audience in a way that nobody else can. And so uh, for the pastor on Sunday morning to tell you how to talk to others would be relatively meaningless because that's the sort of church language we use in a worship service. It's not what we use to communicate in, in maybe the secular world or in the regular world. As a bridge between those two places, you are in a unique place to be used by God to share the truth that is found here in your church community with the people that you interact with who don't have a connection to that place except for you. God is not going to pull you out of this environment so that you can spend all your time here. Instead, he's equipping you to share the great benefit and the truth of this hope-filled community trusting in God's promises with the people who you see throughout the week. Finally, there's the question of confusion. Right? The world doesn't always make sense to us. We don't understand why we have to go through certain experiences, why things are happening to people that don't seem to deserve them. But when we trust in God's promises, a clarity is given to us. Maybe not 
an um, omnipotent view of the world. Maybe we can't see how all the pieces quite fit together. But God's truth helps us to see that the world is broken, that people are selfish, that there is an incompleteness and meaninglessness that characterizes the human experience. And when we understand that people are broken, that the world is, is ultimately going to leave us empty, we can begin to understand why things don't always meet our expectations, how things don't always work out the best for us. And yet when we bring that understanding and clarity, we can begin to appreciate the truth of God's hope, the fact that it brings clarity in the midst of confusion, the fact that it brings presence in the midst of isolation, the fact that it helps us to speak the language of others at a time where maybe we feel misunderstood. Be like Peter in the weeks and months ahead. He knew his audience and he used the language God had given him in that circumstances to, to, to share the good news of Jesus. God has put you in a similar circumstance. He has put you in a unique place to speak in a way that no one else can understand, to share his good news with those people. Pentecost is the birthday of the church, the birthplace of the church sent out on a mission scattered throughout the world. And you and I still have a part to play in that same narrative. Who is God calling you to communicate to? The truth that Jesus' death and resurrection bring us forgiveness and new life. The fact that he is with us no matter where we go. And the fact that we can approach the confusion of this world with the clarity of God's truth. All this I say in Jesus' name, amen.